Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is November the 1st, 2021, out of October now, and so uh, moving on to November, getting ever closer to Christmas and the end of the year. Um, and uh, we're actually here at Rosa Sharon, um, just coming off of a long night <laughs> doing trunk or treat. Uh, but we're coming in here this morning to talk about our uh, um, uh, message yesterday. And we're excited about it because it, it's the start of a new sermon series that's going to lead us right up into Thanksgiving. Where we're focusing on grace. We've kind of previewed this uh, already on the podcast a little bit and let you know what we're thinking and the direction we're moving in. But we're going to be talking over the next four weeks about grace and probably there's no, and when you think about it, there's no other word in uh, Christianity that's more important to get correct and to understand properly than grace. And yet, um, it might be argued that there's no more term in theology and Christianity that's um, as faceted as grace is, uh, that has multiple, uh, multiple ways we can think of it, uh, of applying that term to our lives and, and, and has different aspects that we can explore. And so that's what we're going to try and do. And as Jeff said uh, many times in yesterday's sermon, um, we probably will only be scratching the surface of this topic. I mean, we could, I'm sure there are a whole reams and reams of paper written on the subject of grace, and we're just going to kind of scratch the surface here. But we're ready to scratch the surface with you, our listening audience. And so um, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, associate pastor here, joined with the rest of the pastoral staff. Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. And uh, this message, actually, each one of us will be taking turn about preaching this um, in this sermon series. But this first one, uh, right out of the gate, uh, was uh, Jeff's, um, and his job basically was to define grace. And it's not a small order. Um, and uh, the title of the message I think you gave was The Final Word is Grace. And um, I think that's... Uh, apropos since the text that you took was literally the last verse in the bible uh it comes from revelation 22 21 which says uh in my translation here the grace of the lord jesus be with everyone amen or well let's look at the nkjv here too the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen and so um well let's just talk about um grace as a whole fellas and we can uh, spend the time looking over these these three points for sure but let's just kind of talk about what grace is, because the first point that Jeff you made was grace defined. And I'll say this: um, I found this interesting actually. Um, if you had asked me before yesterday in in like Bible trivia, where's the first instance of grace in the Bible? I don't know that I would have come up with the answer. Mm-hmm. I, I I I I might have. Uh, when you think about the the sort of circumstances surrounding that story, I might have come up with the fact that it was Noah, um, but I don't know that I would have. Did you Did you two know that? I didn't know that. No, you didn't know that. Did, did you know that the first instance of grace is 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 in the Bible uh, mentioned that about Noah, Blake? I'll be honest. Up until this semester, when I was in Old Testament class, no. Oh, okay. But we're going through the first five books of the Bible, so I kind of <laughs> hate to ruin the the, uh, the dogma right now. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, um, like I said, I might have, I might have taken a stab at it, I, but uh, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have gone there. Um, but it's interesting that that's, that's your first instance of grace. Yeah, and the only reason I knew that, 
aside from like you know typing the word grace in and where it <laughs> pops up first was I uh, actually when I was I was pre- I preached through the book of Hebrews way back when when I first became pastor on Sunday nights and uh, finally got to there. Uh, the last verse in Hebrews, and it's a benediction about grace too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a little cheat sheet on this uh, passage, so I remember that from then that uh, the first mention was grace was from Noah. Mm-hmm. So that helped me kind of dive into a little bit about the uh, thinking about Noah and why grace was so important, and then give the a little 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 bit of the background story up to the point where he found grace, so people would know that Noah deserved death and hell and destruction too because most commentaries if you read them um they try to make it look like that god chose noah because noah you know noah was a good man or a righteous man and all this other stuff but right uh and so y'all know me i try to make everybody more like us as opposed to being uh super spiritual and so i think the context of it was to to show that even noah Came to came to salvation through grace. Mm. Mm. Now, I, I, I the and it's interesting because it does say it does have the verse about Noah finding grace with the Lord. I was just looking at this mm-hmm. before it mentions that he was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Yes. Um, I, I've never really felt like Noah was uh, like perfect, like like he was sinless. Um, uh, I just figured that. Uh, his his righteousness stood out among those who were those who were wicked. But even let's say his righteousness stands out among those who are are wicked of his day, his contemporaries. Um, even so, the fact that he's not completely blameless, uh, not uh, not completely without sin, would still require grace. Yeah, because if you know the rest of the story. After after the flood, right. he gets drunk and right. you know. So, uh, well, yeah, he so he wasn't perfect. But like right. I said, one of my pet peeves is when you read commentaries and all is they they make people so super spiritual. You're like, well, hold on a minute. Then where do I fit in the story? Because mm-hmm. if these people had these qualities to begin with, and that's why God chose them, then uh, I'm left out. Sure. So I think it's important for us to 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 because when you look at grace, grace is given whether you deserve it or not. Right. And even our righteousness is filthy rags, according to, I think, Isaiah. Right. So um, so even if he was a perfect person up to that point, this is before the law anyway, mm-hmm. he wasn't perfect and righteous before God because God had already declared, you know, uh, everyone was simple and constantly sinning. And uh, so he he's like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm brokenhearted that I've created man. I'll also note that it says, at least in my translation, it says he was blameless among his contemporaries. It does not say he was blameless in, in God's eyes or yes. blameless among you know uh, you know blameless to, to God. Um, but anyway, I, th- I found that interesting, and then I find it interesting, Jeremiah, that the the, the very last verse of what we call our canon, our you know, canon of scripture, <clears throat> includes the word grace. Hmm. Um, that that it seems as though great grace bookends. The story, the God's narrative with man. Um, I mean, would you say that? I mean, like, great. How, how important is it? How important is grace when we talk about like the grand narrative of Scripture? Yeah. So, like, even going back to Noah, I was just looking. Uh, Noah shows up in chapter five. It's mm-hmm. not like he. I think we kind of talked like that's super early 
in the Bible, <laughs> like, yeah. especially when you consider that sin doesn't, you, there, there's no grace needed or mercy needed until Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. So the whole grace-like motif narrative shows up early, and then it runs all the way through the end. And Jeff was quoting a whole bunch of, well, he had some stats, right? You want to give those stats again? Which one? About the words? About the, how many times grace is in the Bible? Uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah 170 times. In 156 verses, that's the New King James translation. Okay. Yeah, I actually thought that was a little low, but I I bet it's because many times it's translated favor instead of grace. It's well, and but that's because like, even in yeah. my uh, the Genesis five one is favor in the ESV. So yeah. So Moses or sorry Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, right? Instead of grace. <clears throat> But yeah, so, so and actually, look, I, I, I'm curious. The, I, Hebrew scholars here, because I, I didn't take Hebrew. Um, you said the word is hen. H e n. H e n. The one that's like Noah. Right, right. Yeah. Hen. It's <laughs> normally tra- transliterated C h e n. Okay, like yeah. hen. Yeah. Right. So, so is is that in the Septuagint? No, is that's that a the same word? Is it the same as as? as oh, Karis? I'm sure it's Karis. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, uh, I would want to look that up. I didn't do I didn't do the Septuagint, but I think it was uh, uh, Chesed. Okay. Okay. I think that's how they pr- they pronounce it in uh, in Greek on the, in the Septuagint. But I'm not sure. I didn't look into all that. Well, no, all I, I, was, was, no, yeah. I'm just, well I guess the thing I'm I'm getting at is 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 but we know very clearly direct correlation. Is there a direct correlation between Ken? And Chorus. Well, it's the pretty much the, the the definitions that were given were very similar. Yeah. Except they didn't have the explanation in the New Testament about how this was God's grace. Uh, you know, I read that whole that kind of ex- extended the aspects that we're going to be looking at how to live by right, grace, and right, right, how to extend grace, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was just curious because you were brought up the. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's clear. Even if it's not, I mean, even if there's not a one-to-one correlation there with the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament for, for you know. Yeah, it's, what's, what's yeah, the root word there is charis in the Septuagint. It is? You yeah. looked it up? Okay, yeah. great. So it is. A, so it is a one-to-one correlation mm-hmm. there. Um, so even if it wasn't, though, the, 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 the idea of mm-hmm. grace, this idea that God gives us what we, what we don't earn, Right and what we don't necessarily, what we don't deserve, um, and he gives gives over and above what he's required to give. Do we see that? That's that seems to be central to his character, Blake. I mean, it seems to be central to the character of God. This idea that he gives more than he has to give. Yeah, and I think of not that he's obligated to give anything. Right. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to be honest, you know, going to Genesis one, the whole creation accounts full of grace. Because, like, he didn't have to create us. That's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we see, and I love how grace is at the end, mm-hmm. because grace is also in the beginning mm-hmm. as well. So you see that, you know, there's one big story, and it revolves around God, obviously, as the main character. Right. And I can't remember who you said was the, uh, who said that grace was, like, one of the best characteristics that's kind of throughout the Bible. I know. Uh, Gresham Manchin. J. Grisham Machen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the very yeah. center and core of the whole Bible is the doctrine of the grace of God. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you see that from creation to literally Revelation twenty two twenty one. Right. And 
I think that's. I think that was a great quote that you mentioned. Yesterday. And that that was one of the things that I thought about. I was like, why did they use the word grace? And I even mentioned it. I think when I was making this point about he could have chose love. He could have chose. Um, Long suffering, he could have chose any of the characteristics of God, mm-hmm. but this is the word that he chose. Yeah, so. yeah. When yeah. you see a, you see a good, you know, God given over and abundant. I think of the Israelites in the first five books of the Bible because mm-hmm. they are. You see, yes, they are obviously growing more and more distant from God, mm-hmm. but God is still faithful and He's still pursuing His people, even though they are constantly constantly going farther and farther away from him yeah and yeah. you know you looking at that from a human perspective it's like why would he do that yeah like why in the world does he even you know waste his time to uh, you know pursue these people and they obviously for the most part don't want him right but he still does and you know i go back to something you said a minute ago blake when i think about um when i think about the moment of creation um, I think it was, uh, I don't remember, it might have been in um, theology class uh, that was taken under Dr. McKinnon. We were talking about, or maybe it was a book I was reading on theology and the, uh, getting into the weeds of the Trinity mm. and how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, exist outside of creation, right? right. And, and in a perfect relationship, a perfect love relationship between one another. So um, if you have... Two people, you you've got love. If you have a third, you can share love with with outside of outside of this one relationship. Right. So that makes it even better. Mm. So if it was perfect, if it was a perfect trinity, a perfect relationship of love, then why create, right? Mm. Why why do you, why do you need to create? Because love is being perfected already. You you don't need it, and so it's because of grace. It's because because God desired. To this, this isn't because he needed to. It's not out of necessity, but it's because he desired to share the love that's within the Trinity outside of the Trinity. Mm. And so you have this sort of, this sort of um, super benevolence, right? This this idea that God is is um, it's it, it again, it's grace. It's it's not anything that needed to be done, didn't have to be done, but it's it's out of the character, good character of God. God being good, perfectly good, wanted to multiply this love outwards. Mm. And so he creates. I just think that's amazing when you it think is. about that. Um, and and the best picture to do that is to give it to people that don't deserve it. Who are going to turn on you, right? Yeah. <laughs> who, like, who are going to even still, question like, your existence? Yeah. Just, you know? just respond to me and, and turn to me and you can have this relationship. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. So, like, he does this, and he does it knowing, knowing that people are going to be born who are going to curse him, who are going to deny his existence, who are going to lead others to do horrible, evil things. I mean, he does it knowing all that because he desires to multiply that love outwards. That's that's the God we, we that's the God that we as pastors serve. That's the God that we as Christians serve. And this is why, yeah, this is why grace is so important to get a hold of. So when we talk about grace, um, what differentiates I and mean, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit here already, but in your mind, what differentiates grace from mercy or from love or from compassion or because you know it's it's very trendy to say, in pop culture, that God is love, you know, mm-hmm. and that God, 
God's love, man, and and um, love wins, and you know, and so um, uh, you know, it's very trendy to to camp out on that idea. We don't hear a lot of people saying God's great, you know, God's gracious, um, and so um, I, I do think there's a differentiation there. I'm just curious what you guys think, Jeremiah. Yeah, so the first one of his like attribute of his character that that you would probably need to know to understand grace better is not love or mercy, but but holiness and justice. Justice. So once you understand his justice, you realize, oh, like oh no, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for me? Because I'm not perfect, and and he demands perfection. He can't have sin in his presence. So what does that mean for for me? For, for me who has fallen short, and then that's where grace comes in, and that's why grace is... Uh, and we like to talk about grace, and we like to talk about love, but they really don't mean as much until you really understand his justice. Mm-hmm. But for me, I like to define grace in terms of what it means as opposed to mercy. Right. Just because those two are so connected in the Bible. And I think, I so think sometimes they get... They get um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intermittent. People yeah. use them as yeah. synonyms. <clears throat> yeah. And actually, I think the Bible sometimes uses them as synonyms. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like... I think is the word I'm looking for. Where yeah. Where you, you bring the two terms together and act act like they're the same term, but really they're they're two separate terms. Yeah. It's kind of like expiation mm-hmm. and propitiation. Mm-hmm. But in general, for me, so if grace is a gift or undeserved favor, something you did not earn, so receiving something you did not earn, mm-hmm. then mercy is not receiving something you do deserve. So it's like the negation of grace yeah. in yeah. some ways. It's like the, the, the not not the negation. That's a bad way to put that. Yeah, um, just the uh, an- antithesis. Or yeah, like, like the antithesis of grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, grace is receiving something you do deserve or you mercy, didn't deserve, right? Or you, yeah, didn't. you didn't deserve, sorry, receiving yeah. something you didn't deserve. So you didn't earn it. It's a gift. It's, it's really just and a mercy gift. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. deserve. What so you do deserve. Because yeah. you deserve based on your sin, based on God's justice and, and sin and, and those types of things. You deserve death hell in the grave. Mm-hmm. He has mercy on you, so you don't receive what you do deserve, what you did earn. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, that's that's what helps me really, really understand grace, so that you don't encompass mercy and grace in the same thing. And uh, it hasn't been brought up yet. Uh, I, I talk about it all the time, so I'll just talk about it again. Uh, the most quoted verse in the Old Testament, like the most quoted verse that mm-hmm. the Old Testament quotes in itself is is when when God comes down on the mountain and he tells them who he is mm-hmm. and he tells them of his character, like I'm this. Mm-hmm. And he says, the Lord is gracious and the Lord is merciful. So there yeah. must it must be two different things. It can't Slow be the same anger, thing. Right. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Mm-hmm. The first time is Exodus 34 uh, six and seven, but then it's quoted at, like twenty something times. I think twenty five times in the Old Testament, heavily in the Psalms. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, which is interesting because a lot of people would say that a lot of people kind of have this these two gods, like this polytheism, even in Christianity, right? Of like this Old Testament God who's angry and just and holy, mm-hmm. and he he kind of throws temper tantrums and has fits. That guy, and then there's Jesus, who's all 
sort of hippie and just kind of <laughs> lets things go right. and is loving and compassionate and patient and uh, goes to the cross willingly, you know, like just... Right, go, and actually, go, go further with that with that analogy. Uh, goes to the cross and is punished by that first God. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 they, like they, child abuse. Type yeah, child, you're right, yeah. divine child abuse. That's that's the way a lot of people see it. And so they they don't see God as gracious in the Old Testament. So it's interesting to, to see all the way back in Genesis 5, and of course, the most quoted text, that, that God is a gracious God and a merciful God. Um, so yeah, y- y'all can Google that. Uh, test me on that. It is the most... Uh, it's not quoted once in the New Testament, which I find really weird. Does it show up in Hebrews? Not once. Wow. Not. It's so weird to me. But if you think about it, I mean, like Noah, he found grace, but God's mercy allowed him to build an ark mm-hmm. to be saved. So they kind of kind of go hand in because he really he 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 got something he didn't deserve. But I'm gonna provide a way for you. And then the providing the way then was was the mercy from from uh, you didn't get what everybody else got. Uh-huh. Right. So his grace was the, the gracious gift was his mercy in that case. Yeah. You know, let's talk about grace a little bit more in terms of what sets it apart in, in terms of uh, Christianity. I think you said yeah. this, Jeremiah, yesterday, and I, I would I would argue I I, I I struggled to think of an example that would prove your point wrong, but I don't think there is one. Um, that basically, Blake, Christianity is set apart from every other world religion. Let's let's anything that's outside of Christianity. Let's look at like the major world religions. We can think of Judaism as a whole. We can think of uh, Islam. We can think of uh, um, uh, Hinduism um, and, and others. You know, Buddhism, right? Taoism. <clears throat> right. All those um, all those other world religions um, that we could. You know, and I've only named a few. Um, these are many. Um, but what sets Christianity apart from all of those, especially the major world religions, is this idea of grace. Mm. That there is no earning the this this the the favor of God. It's something that's given freely by Him to us, and all that the the only thing that we do is just receive it. I mean, you were talking about you. You know, in your kids' talk, you talked about the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's like the trunk or treat we did last night. Um, church buys the candy. People in the community don't buy the candy. They come through the trunk or treat. We freely give them the candy. They right. just have to drive through and get it. Right. All they have to do is hold out their bag, and we're going to give them that gift. Um, it does seem as though, when we talk about religions anyway, mm-hmm. that religion is often, um, part of its definition seems to be, um, these rites or rituals or actions or behaviors that are expected of one to curry the favor of some divine entity, you know, and um, and so um, and so I, 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 you know, it seems as though, and I think Jer- Jeremiah said this that Christianity is the one exception to that rule that there is no currying the favor of God, there is no winning his favor. Um, but just speak to that a little bit. Yes, I think, uh, to sum it up, I think Tim Keller says it best in his religion versus gospel arguments. He says religion um, religion says, uh, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel is, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Um, mm-hmm. That's what Tim Keller 
argues, and that's that's accurate because religion will tell you you have to do these. And you look at Judaism and you look at uh, Islam, and you know if you ask a Jewish uh, somebody of the Jewish faith and a person of the Muslim faith, if you ask them, have you attained salvation? Have you attained God's favor? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you know, a Muslim is very uh, ritual. You know, they were very disciplined in their spiritual lives. But I would argue they're more disciplined than most Christians are. Right. And they're praying five times a day, mm-hmm. uh, fasting, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you would think that with as much as they do in their worldview system, that they would know that they've achieved at least something. You know, they've right. achieved something. And you ask them, you know, do you know if if you die, you would go to paradise? Mm-hmm. They don't know. They say, well, really, it's up to God. Mm-hmm. So there's they're kind of like left in the dark. They don't really know. And they're working for something that they're not even sure they're going to get. It's really just going to depend on, is God going to be merciful to me or not? Right. But, you know, they say that he's a merciful and loving God, but... They don't say he's a gracious God mm-hmm. because Allah is not a gracious God. Mm-hmm. And you, to go back to your point, you know, they they have to obey in order to maybe be accepted. For Christianity, we have the assurance of we're accepted, therefore we're just going to obey out of love in response to the gospel. Right. So then, does that make us um, does that make us lazy in terms of our uh, of our relationship with God, Jeff? I mean, it's like the fact that we didn't have to do anything to earn it. Um, does that does that make us less um, committed, less uh, you know, less committed to 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 our faith than say the the Muslim? Well, uh, that's the aspect of grace. I think maybe I'm gonna hit on Jeremiah's going to hit on. Gonna hit on yeah. um, so we don't have to preview too much of that. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean that uh, it's kind of like what, what we're talking about. Um, when I thought about, well, is there a scripture in there that could really help everybody with this basic definition? So that's mm-hmm. why I went to Romans. Mm-hmm. And it clearly, those passages I read in chapter 5, sure, clearly show that this is a free gift. And it's comparing you know, the law versus the grace that comes from Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that, that um, uh, and it's wonderful. And all these words he describes it is, is that, is that it's, it's a free gift. And so it's a free gift. We've received it. And because of grace, then that should motivate us then to do anything and everything, you know, for God mm-hmm. out, of, out, of, out of appreciation and love and just responding to that. But what Luther went against was the church actually bought into the whole, you got to work your way. You've got to right. do these things. You've got to earn grace. You've got to earn mercy. You've got to earn. And so we're always in that struggle. Mm-hmm. And... If we're, if we're not careful, we become legalistic, and then we put grace on the shelf. Uh, but if we understand grace, then, then you like your kids, if your kids did, like, cleaned up their room without your, your wife telling them to, mm-hmm. she would be just so happy and right. excited about it. Right. Because they're just doing it because... This is something we, we should do, and it's going to make mom happy. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, it's going to make our life a whole lot better. we got a clean room and everything organized. Right. And so um, so once we kind of put works into it, then we kind of sully grace a little bit, and somehow or another we think we can earn it, and we can 
make it make it our own or, or we'll get more grace from God. Right. Know? And so that's always going to be a struggle. And so for Christians then, yeah, if we're not careful, then we can be lazy and say, well, you know, I've got the grace card, so I'm pretty well set. I don't really even have to go to church. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to do anything. Right. Well, you're right. You don't have to do anything. But as a, as a result of what you've been given by God, in this relationship, you should want to do that. And you should want to be around other people, which goes to the extending the grace, which you'll talk about later. Yeah, right. So that's why all these facets and assets. Oh, they're all linked together. They're absolutely linked together. It's so important to understand what grace is so that you can live a a life of grace. Yeah. And you know what's cool about yesterday is uh, Halloween is actually the anniversary of of the Reformation. Yes, I think it was like 504th anniversary. I don't know. It was... I, Jeff mentioned the Jeff mentioned Luther encountering the Romans passage. He mentioned the ninety the, the yeah, and that was in fifteen seventeen. Right, and so. and and I was like, oh, is he going to mention that today's the anniversary of it? Because no. October thirty yeah. first is the yeah. day that he did it. You know, it's, right. it's the day they went so, and nailed it to the door of what it was. You should have raised your hand and said, "Oh, yeah. preacher, today's the day too." Yeah, I almost, I almost <laughs> I, oh, I was waiting. I was like, oh, he's about he's about to yeah. drop knowledge on, nah. <laughs> which I think is which I think is really cool that we started a. Uh, so you got to turn into the podcast to get the extra nuggets. That's right. <laughs> I think it's cool though uh, that we did start a sermon series on grace. On no, the, I didn't think on about October thirty first, the anniversary yeah. that yeah. Luther did his best to recover the. I wish, I'd, yeah. I wish I'd known that ahead of time. <laughs> Doggone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it makes you feel better. I can expound on it. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we can, yeah, we can yeah, mention yeah. it next week. <laughs> so our dumb. No, we, we'll, we'll just leave this for our special yeah. podcast okay. listeners only. <laughs> Do you want some cookies? You got to go to the hey, podcast. You know, um, the something you said a minute ago made me think. Though you you use the analogy of like uh, my kids cleaning the room to make their mom happy, or no, not to make her happy, but knowing that it will make her happy. You know, they they do this thing. They know it's their job anyway, and it's, they, it's something they right. Really do. But 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 let's say you know it's not even an obligation. They just do it because um, they they do it they do it um, uh, not. Um, not because they've been asked to do it, but because they just want to do it, right? Not, so that even makes it better. Right. So, but even in that instance, the funny thing is, is that if, well, we would call that grace, right? It was a gracious act. But in that instance, they're doing it knowing that this is going to make them happen, knowing that this is going to make their, this relationship better. God's grace is without any pretense of reciprocation at all. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do it because it's going to make us happy, he doesn't create because, oh, I'm going to create so that they will be happy. He creates um, not with no pretense of reciprocation. He doesn't even know what, like, I mean, he knows, but I mean, he doesn't do it ex- with any expectation, I think, Jeremiah. That, and I think that sets his grace apart from any gracious act that you and I could do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's like like we always say, it's in his character. Right. And for it to be in his character would mean that even if creation didn't exist, it would still be his character. So even if even if we weren't here for him to be gracious to, mm-hmm. he would still be a gracious God. Right. And so for us... Because he's not dependent on us because you know, <clears throat> we call that aseity. That he has no, yeah. he has no uh, dependence on us. Are um, on, on creation. For so it just, um, yeah, it just goes to show, like, like he doesn't, he doesn't need us. He doesn't, he doesn't need to show us grace, and yet he still does. Yeah. 
Um, and then for us to, to be those who extend grace, which I know you'll talk about this, um, it just goes to show that we are made in His image and that mm-hmm. that there's a piece of Him in us. I don't know how to say it. You'll probably say it better. But uh, especially for those who are Christians, He dwells within us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to argue, I mean, I'm on the Christian living so in two more weeks, but I'm going to argue that it's Him working in us. It's not even really us extending that grace yeah. per se. It's Him working within us to extend grace or to live gracious I think lives. of that Philippians 2 passage when you yeah. say that, 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 you know, it's, it's God working in you to work out His, you know, to yeah. work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God working in you. So right? you're not showing your own grace, you're showing His grace. Right, mm-hmm. you're, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, um, you know, you're, we've talked about creation itself being an act of grace, um, but perhaps the greatest act of grace, and, mm-hmm. you, and you brought this up, is is grace demonstrated as, as, it, as we see it in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blake, well, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because this is really going to encroach on Blake's sermon next week because Blake's talking about grace and salvation. But I don't think we can talk about grace as as far as the definition of grace without at least saying in some at some level that it comes um, in its ultimate form in Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you break apart the definition of grace, unmerited favor of God, you know, you got to understand it's unmerited. And the favor of God, like, he became a man and came and died for us. Mm. And he rose again and really showed a lot of grace, showing that, hey, look, I'm, you know, even in your sin, I can still defeat it. Yeah. And it might be just a tad preview of what's coming, but, hey, I love talking about it. <laughs> love <laughs> talking know, about it. You think about it. I mean, he could have he could have <clears throat> stopped at any point, right? I mean, God, God, God has provided us so much, and 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 I, I think about in terms of salvation. I mean, that's the greatest of His gifts. That He could just stop there, but then He still provides even on top of that. Yeah, right? it's and, like and, a. I mean, and you get like it's like you get a lot of benefits from it, you know. And I hate mm-hmm. to use like a business term for it, but there's a lot of like a, I guess more spiritual way to put it is like your position before God is righteous and then the things you get from that is i mean you can it's it almost leaves you speechless you know you are mm-hmm. you know god doesn't look at your sin he sees christ through you your promised heaven mm-hmm. where for eternity you get to uh, just experience the infinitude and the godness of god it's just like wow right i want to talk about um a verse that you you used Jeff, uh, yesterday um, from from John John one in the, the the prologue to John's gospel, um, where it talks about the word became a flesh dwelling among us, hmm. and it says uh, John bore witness of him, and this was he he of whom I said he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and then it says John writes and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What does that mean, grace for grace? Um, it, it, what is John trying to say there? Because I, I, I read that and I and and I struggle a little bit with it. And and this isn't just a question for you, Jeff. This mm-hmm. is a question for the table. Um, what do we think it means when he says, "Enough is fullness; we've all received," and grace for grace? 
Well, you know, in verse 14, at the end of that, it said, uh, they beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Right. So Jesus is full, full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And then when you get down to that passage, so the fullness he's talking about in Jesus, that he fully demonstrates, shows, lives. Uh, he's the embodiment of this grace mm-hmm. that God is showing us. Mm-hmm. I did. This is probably something you'd have to dig into this passage and see what that means. But yeah, yeah. thinking about what we talked about earlier, like uh, grace came before the law. Mm-hmm. Noah found grace, <clears throat> and of course, with with uh, even with Adam and Eve, you know, uh, a sacrifice was made, and then it pointed to uh, Jeremiah's favorite, famous passage that he preached on when we were talking about you know pictures of the Messiah about. Uh, the heel mm-hmm. and the bruising and all that. So, so the grace then that picture of grace, I guess. So grace then that was that was shown in the Old Testament now shows up in the New Testament. So I think that grace for grace is kind of just continuing the story. That here's how he's going to exhibit and show and demonstrate and deliver all this grace that we're talking about. Right. And then uh, nobody saw God at any time, but we've seen him. Um, so that's why I'm thinking that like, so if you look at Jesus, then you came face to face with grace. Mm. Grace is not just a word. It's a, it's a, it's a person. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I I looked at it and and thought about it to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that would be a good, that would be a good, good passage. Just that one verse right there. Just that one verse. dig into that. uh, you know, I would have to look and see what right. other people have said about it and everything. But I think the ESV translates it grace upon grace. I was just looking at that. But I, th- I just think that because of the fullness of grace and truth, these two things, that he is completely full, that there's you can't add any more grace to Jesus. Well, see, I think it's Jesus is at. Yeah, so so every everything that you can think of as grace, Jesus embodies it. Right. And then, I guess, grace for grace is now he's going to extend that grace and give it to us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think the way I, I, I think of it in those terms, I think too, Jeff, we, especially if you consider that ESV translation, grace upon grace. It's almost like he's saying Jesus is the max, Jesus is the maximum demonstration of grace. grace. Yeah, because if there's another picture of grace, then we're still waiting to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're like the Jewish people. We're still waiting for Messiah to show up. If he's, right. not, if he's not the full embodiment of it, then we're all, uh, you know, uh, as Paul says, we're 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 the most miserable people on earth. Right. You know, if the person we're following is not who he really is, then you know we're wasting our time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What do you uh, do? You think that that's a pretty good explanation too? I mean, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think um, for that John passage. Probably, I think y'all are, y'all are hitting it right on the head. Um, and I think 17, the, the following verse kind of explains that for us. It says mm-hmm. that the law was given through Moses, and then grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. basically saying that he gave the law. That was an act of his grace. Mm-hmm. But now he's given Jesus and a, a greater act of his grace. A greater grace. It's, a, it's grace acting upon it's grace. Upon okay. grace. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. And too. actually, some translations, I think, say grace in place of grace. So, like... Oh, really? You, you can almost see it as, like, that was grace and this kind of replaced grace or... Mm-hmm. 
I, I like upon grace because this this is was still an act of grace. I mean, and it didn't it didn't replace the law but fulfill the law. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. It's great, it, right. I, yeah, I, I like upon as well. I think um, that makes sense. I think I, one of the reasons I was asking you about that, Jeremiah, is because uh, I, I think. Uh, I know you're doing the study on Hebrews with your youth right now, and and uh, the author of Hebrews kind of plays with this idea of the law being um, uh, sort of superseded, right, or, mm-hmm. or super fulfilled in in, in mm-hmm. Jesus. How how Jesus is a greater greater law, greater covenant. Yeah, right? yeah. and uh, he goes through great pains. The author of Hebrews to to say, look, the law is good, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to play into kind of what I I talk about. In the future, but if if the law is everything, that it's insufficient. Mm-hmm. But the law is still good, and it's a good teacher, and it, it's a good thing. It came from God. It can't be anything less than good. Right. But it's not sufficient for salvation mm-hmm. um, because salvation comes only through Christ, only only through God by an act of His grace. Right. Right. So so Jesus is is the maximum or the perfect demonstration of grace, and uh, and and. You know, John. John, I think is is going to great pains to show mm-hmm. us that. Uh, that, 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 that. It's such a, it's such a good verse. I just wanted to spend a little bit of time on it because it, I think it's uh, it's 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 great. Um, so let's talk at a little bit here because uh, I don't know that any of us outside of Jeff, unless Blake gets into it a little bit in his, will talk about this third point, which is grace delivered, and. This could honestly be, if we really dug deep, this could probably be the most controversial spot for for us to to, to dig into, um, because there's different viewpoints for certain uh, in in, in um, you know in various theology various theologies and um, that that would clash with one another a little bit on the deliverance of grace. Um, not how grace is delivered, because we just—I think we're all in agreement there. Grace is delivered through Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate channel of grace. Actually, let me stop there for just a second before I get into grace delivered, because a, a sort of a, a corollary of this. Um, in certain Protestant churches, um, not Baptist, um, I'm thinking more along the lines of Catholic and Episcopalian. Um, they actually talk about um, Catholics in particular will will look at um, the communion and absolution and um, you know when, when those those are those are considered baptism mm-hmm. um, marriage those are all they they're considered channels of God's grace mm-hmm. that's that's how they say it that um, they're they're means by which God, um, supplies people with grace, His grace, and that's and, how you become partakers of His grace. Yeah, you become partakers of His grace via these channels, right? Um, and that's why priests are important because priests assure the transference of God's grace from God to to man via the appropriate um, the appropriate uh, administration of these channels, right? Um, so, um, I, I, I think a lot of times we, we look at that as, as man trying to earn God's grace, right? That we're trying to earn it. But I think actually our, our, the, 
a Protestant brethren who, who, who not, not the Roman Catholics, but like the Episcopalians and things and such. I think what they're trying to get at is that it still requires an act of God, right? It still requires an act of God. It's God's grace. What we, I think, would say um, in response to that is that God's grace doesn't need those channels to be administered to people. I just want to talk a little bit about that because I think there's probably some some people who listen who maybe have encountered that before, right? Maybe they've encountered this idea of, well, why, why are these rites and rituals so important in, say, the Catholic Church? And, and what's the difference between the way they view grace and maybe the way that we view grace? Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and I'll say that God's grace, um, it kind of trumps those rituals in if you're using them in which by means to a, attain grace, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because, like, uh, I guess kind of along the lines of what I'm thinking is, like, if we woke up this morning, we have received God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that he's bestowed his favor on us to let us live another day in our sin and the condition we're in mm-hmm. shows that he, you know, he continues to desire a relationship with us and for us to be sanctified and then glorified. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go through these uh, channels, you know, air quotes here, you know, these mm-hmm. channels to receive grace because we've already receive grace mm-hmm. you know like through Jesus like he's the ultimate way to receive it yeah and if he has and if you've received him like you you, you can't have anything better mm-hmm. you know you can't have anything better once you have him in your life you know it's good to do the ordinances you know we should do the ordinances but not as a channel to receive those things it's yeah. because we've received it we want to go do it and 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 because of the way they view it yeah um, that's the very reason why that they open communion up to any and all people because you don't have to be a member of their church in order to no. receive an order you're talking about Catholics mm-hmm. no it's closed is it closed? Yes. I thought they offered some, oh, maybe it's some Protestants. You could go and receive a blessing, you cross your hands, but they're not going to give you the... It's, I think there's, I think there's certain uh, Protestant um, that that do open communion for that reason. Episcopalians might. Because I went to a Catholic funeral just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I've been to several, and when you go, you can sit there, which is what I did, mm-hmm. or you can go up there, but if you're not a Catholic and they tell you that, then right. you just cross your hands and receive a blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> it goes back to when you talked about a mediator. Right. These priests mm-hmm. were mediators. Well, go, to go back to Jeremiah, if he's, if he's looking at Hebrews, he's going to find out if he hasn't got there yet. And the youth, there's one mediator between God, God and man, man, the man Christ Jesus. Right. So we don't need another. I'm not a mediator of God's grace here on this right. earth. Now I can extend grace and I can allow God's grace to live through me, which we'll talk about, which is so important about these knowing what grace is and these facets and right. aspects of it is because uh, if we don't, then we do get confused. Yes. yes. So, uh, <clears throat> so I, I'm not really sure how they came up with their theology other than requiring people to come to 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 continue into their religion that you've got to do these things mm-hmm. you know to be in good standing with the church mm-hmm. um but i don't think it's biblical yeah the way no they, well they present. no i mean we don't find anything in, in, in the bible that supports yeah. it at all jeremiah any words on that yeah i think their channels of grace uh came as a response to the reformation they mm-hmm. realized you know what grace is kind of a big deal <laughs> uh, how do we how do we implement this mm-hmm. without destroying the the 
the papacy, really, right, uh, and the priesthood and all that stuff. And that, for me, that's the biggest problem is the the whole mediator thing, uh, because that's just some of them you might could see in scripture, like if you kind of maybe twist some things, no, mm-hmm. not even twist it, but you can right. kind of see it, right. But that one, the whole mediator and and having to have a uh, Intermediary, yeah. intermediary. Well, I mean, it, so it, it borrows from the Old Testament, right? I mean, it's borrowed yeah. from this Old Testament temple kind of idea, um, where you have the priests who who serve as mediator between God and man. Like you, they're the, they're the ones who enter into the holy of holies. They're the ones that enter into the uh, that, that bring the sacrifice, and they're the ones who do. You know, people come forward, but but it's the priest who administers all these yes. all these rites and 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 all these and and you know. So I think what what um, what they're doing is they're borrowing from that, right, and saying, well, th- that's still the case. We still have to have mediators between God and man, um, you know, that that uh, that oversee um, his uh, the the proper administration of his grace to to uh, to individuals. And I think a lot of that. Um, there was a mistranslation in the Latin Vulgate mm-hmm. when Jesus says, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Mm-hmm. Somebody accidentally mistranslated and said, "Do penance, mm-hmm. for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Mm-hmm. So that's where a lot. I think some of your, you know, weird practicality things in the Catholic Church kind of mm-hmm. come from is actually from a mistranslation in the Vulgate. Right. Well, that, and I think some of it also. Um, we have to keep in mind that when we're talking about Catholics, at least, um, tradition and what comes from the, the the papal seat is just has just as much weight for them as Scripture mm-hmm. does. That they that they that it, it has equal weight to Scripture. So, um, and I think it's why. Yeah, but, the, the whole priesthood and the whole mediate for me that's that's my biggest problem with with Catholicism in general mm-hmm. is the whole priesthood, like just the intermediary and. Going to Hebrews, I know we're talking a lot about Hebrews. You should probably read it if you haven't in a while. But um, so yeah, he, he the whole thing is like these priests in the Old Testament. They were a picture. They were a foreshadow right. of the one who is to come. We believe that Jesus was the one who is to come. Why mm-hmm. would we go back to the picture? Mm-hmm. Right. That's like right. that doesn't make any sense. Why yeah. would you go back to the copy when you have the real thing? That's it. That's it. That's and it. Exactly. That's the whole point of like. Yeah, I, I, that's that, that's that's one of my biggest hangups with it as well. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not trying to disparage Catholicism. No, yeah. I'm just saying that one of the reasons why I don't I don't endorse those beliefs is for the very thing that you just mentioned. I don't think that we have to have an an additional mediator and and to add an additional mediator takes away from, to me, the authority of, of the mediator we have in yeah, Jesus. I mean, it's like you're so. saying that Jesus' mediation is good, but it's not good enough. Yeah. Well, and, and even though we don't true. believe it as Baptists, I mean, people still practically live their lives like they need to have a priest. They need to have well, a yeah, I mean, They need to have the pastor to come pray for me. They need to have this to happen when... When really they're their own priesthood, they can be the priest of their family, well, yeah, and their workplace and their neighborhood, and and they could be the the person that is there for the people. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, as as Baptists, we we have the whole you know we hold firmly to the idea of the priesthood of all believers, and so um, you know the Bible says you are a royal priesthood, and talking about the church, you're talking about the members of the church. So if you're if you're a, a Christian, you are 
according to scripture, you are a royal priesthood. And so you absolutely, um, you have just as much access to God as anybody else does. And so it's so important because you're right. Practically speaking, yeah. I think some people try to live without that idea. They, they, yeah. they, they forget that they are a priesthood unto themselves. And, um, and well, because, not unto themselves, but, you know, they, that they're priests. They kick at the Jeremiah given on Hebrews. You know, he talks about how we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I think I preached a message about that right. not too long ago about, about this throne is a throne of grace. Right. It's not a throne of mm-hmm. judgment and condemnation and punishment and checkoff sheets and all that other stuff. Yeah. And so... You know, I'm just glad we're doing this sermon series because I think yeah. it's important for everybody because, you know, grace is what we need and Jesus is the one that provided grace. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So. Well, let's spend just a few minutes here um, on on the delivery of grace. We, we've talked already about how um, we have access to this grace. Um, the controversy might be whether or not, um, and, and it comes from, okay, does... Does you know is is grace is God's grace offered to all universally right that 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 it's offered to everyone or is it offered only to what some would say is the elect right those who God foreknows will receive His grace um, so He only offers His grace to those whom will. Uh, will be in the elect who will be recipients of his grace. He only offers it to those who are um, going to be recipients of it anyway. So the, the, that, that the idea there is that it's irresistible, right? That God's grace with, with such a great gift that you could not deny it, that, that it's impossible to, not, to deny such a gift. And so there's controversy over that, even within Baptists. I mean, we were not a moment ago. We were talking about the difference between us and Catholics or Episcopalians, but here we're talking about common ground. Um, largely, we're talking about Baptist, um, but there's some differentiation in beliefs on this. Um, we, you know, we acknowledge that. Um, I think there's differentiation at this table, perhaps, about how we review um, the way that grace is delivered. Um, I tend towards a view of um, I think that that our salvation requires the what we call the prevenient act of God's grace right I think it requires prevenient grace in other words it requires grace that comes before anything that I do right um, the, gra- the grace that draws you to the grace that draws me to to God and so it's God what I where I would differ from say my reformed brothers and sisters is, I think that prevenient grace is offered universally. I think it's offered to all, but all will not receive it. Perhaps I, I, I differ in the idea of an irresistible grace, because um, I think that, that it is possible to reject the free gift of God. But I do think it requires God's act. I don't think it's something that, that we can, we're too sinful on our own to, uh, to come to God. So. Um, apart from the act, the gracious act of God, um, we cannot come to salvation. And that's basically what I was saying without using all those theological terms that he used. <laughs> because when I looked at the three translations, there quite clearly is one is for the elect, one is for the believer, and then one is for everyone. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so, which is true, and that's when I said they're all true. Because I believe it would really depend on how you defend, yeah, define the, the elect. I, 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 uh, the prevenient grace is that right. 
He has to draw you. Mm-hmm. But I believe that you can reject grace. Uh-huh. But it, but I believe it's offered to everyone, but not everyone's going to receive it. Well, yeah. And, and it, so that's that was the explanation I tried to make and try to get across. Right. Because that's that's the way I believe it. I don't believe that it's irresistible. Right. Because I think then you're being forced into something. And I don't believe it's um, only for the elect. Uh, I think when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. Right. And that even though he did that, you still have to receive it and accept it. Sure, sure. So, so, I, the, so that's where I'm coming from. Right. I think I think you and I are probably coming from mm-hmm. close to the same spot there in that in, in that regard. Um, uh, Jeremiah, I, I know sometimes you and I differ a little bit on this point, and I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to speak to that because I think it's fair. I mean, this... We don't always have full agreement at this table. It's fine, and it's not an issue. Uh, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, this is too complicated. It probably is. this time. Uh, I mean, I'd like to have conversations with people, but I think I differ slightly in maybe um, definitions of provenient grace and, like, saving grace. Sure. I think I probably have a distinction. Right. I think provenient grace... It's not provenient unless it's for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Just by definition. Right. And I think that God does draw all men. I mean, the Bible clearly says that, that he draws all men and women, mm-hmm. so all people to himself. Sure. Um, and that Christ died for everyone. And I could 100% positively say that Christ loves you. He loved you enough to die for you and that he died for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I'll make a small distinction, and it's really small. I mean, like, Some people make a big deal out of this. For me, it's not that big a deal. But basically, I like to say that that Christ's sacrifice was efficient for all, but only sorry sufficient for all, but only efficient for the elect. Mm -hmm. Meaning that it's capable of saving all, Mm -hmm. but it only comes to effect for those who are. Of the elect. Now, then you got to define what is what elect, the elect is, elect and, that, and that might be where you and I would probably. Yeah, and so that's because I don't have a problem with what you just said. I, yeah. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. My, I think, I think the definition would. Be yeah, and probably, I think the same thing is it's only effective if you respond. If you respond to it, yeah. But, but so I so think the what, difference what would be what is, is the elect, right? Which is tough because it just the word itself. Right. It literally. I mean, if you say elect, if we're gonna have an election. It's like. That means some are chosen and some are not. Some are not, right, right. right. I picked one option and I didn't pick the other. (laughs) So what is God's elect? And who? how does he actualize that? How does that work? Sure. And that's where I'm not going to comment here because I'll be wrong. I mean, I'd probably change my mind daily on that that subject. And it's just unfortunate because... Well, I mean, if you, you go back to the very first mention, Noah, I mean, Noah didn't do anything for God to pick him. Well, Israel, and he picked him, right? Yeah, I mean, for a reason, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, well, we just don't know what I that means. Yeah, and so from that group of people, that group of that family, then we're we're here now, right? Because of that group of families. Well, Blake, I don't want us to completely dominate this conversation, so I want to I want to invite you to throw your opinion in on on how grace is delivered or the scope of the deliverance of grace. What what is your thoughts on this as well? Yeah, no, I agree with. Uh, Jeremiah Wayne said it's sufficient for all, but only efficient for some. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, there is a uh, there is a uh, lot of a distinction on the elect yeah. in Scripture because um, you know there's a lot of a uh, 
you know, when it comes to like the actually receiving parts of grace, there's some passages that kind of point towards some free will. Right. There's some passages that, you know, linguistically and verbally kind of point towards, pre, you know, some chosenness. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a there's a lot to wrestle with there. Right. You know, it's a, and I think for a Christian, you know, for a uh, mature believer, it's something good to wrestle with. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I think it's something good to write. I don't think it should dominate no. your life. No. You know, because what we're talking about here is second, third tier. Yeah, you I know, agree. I agree. You know, we, well, I, well I, I, let me say this. I, I agree as long as um, we're not talking about somebody who says something to the effect, I've heard someone say this once before, uh, no, no one in this room, that, that Christ only died for the elect. And I, 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 I'm going to, I'm that's, that's, for me, that's more than a secondary or tertiary issue. That that to me is getting primary. Yeah, no, and, and, I, and I and I I would I would I would say, whoa, you and I really disagree heavily on, the, well, on and, this. Well, and, and I agree with you too. And here's why: when we're sharing the gospel, right? I mean, if that if if Jesus only died for the elect, we would have to change our verbiage yeah. to, you know, if you are the if you are a part of the elect, Jesus died for you. I don't know if you are, so I don't really know if Jesus died for you or not. Right. I don't know but if Jesus if, died for you. And I and, just don't want to say that. And I, it, Well, and he says, go make disciples of all, go everywhere. Right. You know, he literally gives a worldwide mission. So, mm-hmm. you know, you would think that it's, you know, available to everybody worldwide. Sure, sure. But now, obviously we know and have probably seen in a lot of our lives that not all are going to accept. Right. And that was the interesting thing that uh, because the appeal of grace is so universal when you really understand it and know Mm -hmm. what Jesus did for you. And when I thought about that song, Amazing Grace, I did the Wikipedia and kind of learned about it. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I was a kid, that song, you know, the height of Vietnam, protests, race riots, assassinations, all this upheaval in our country. Mm -hmm. You know, that song with that girl singing it. Mm-hmm. Judy Collins for sixty-seven weeks was on the radio every single day, mm-hmm. being played multiple times. Right, and then I listed all the different people that have recorded right. it. Right, because there is such an appeal for that, even if they don't understand it or they don't even even believe it, they're still singing that song because it's grace is such a powerful magnet to what. What God's trying to show us right. through we, Jesus Christ, right? And so we don't know who the elect are. We don't know who the saved people are. Our job is to present the gospel and be faithful at that, and then by faith accept people that say they have accepted Christ and received Christ, and that's really all by grace. It, it, which will go into your three messages right. about okay, now how does this act out in our everyday lives right how, how do we experience grace but then how do we live uh grace on a daily basis yes yeah, yeah which i'm really excited about listening to all that yeah and too. like your message was the what mine will be the uh why and then y'all will be well like yours the at the beginning yeah. part of yeah. salvation okay yeah. now that i've right. accepted grace now what does that mean yeah. right so how, how do i actually accept grace and then yeah. You two guys will be the right. What does it mean in your day? But the, all those recordings of Amazing Grace, it, 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 you know, I wonder how many people really understand it, mm. that that hear that song, even among the Christians. And so I think that's why this this sermon series is going to be so good. And uh, I, I too am very excited. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for today, folks. 
Thanks for tuning in, and um, we will close our, our discussion here, but we look forward to you talking. Pass it yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, oh, you no, know you're, you're no, you're good. So uh, I'm looking at Ephesians 2. For my grace, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, yeah. maybe 1 through 10. Okay. But uh, I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. We're going to see, uh, you know, we have to understand a few things first so we can truly appreciate grace and yeah. see uh, how it really works out. So. All right. All right. Well, that will fun. wrap it up then for today. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you on the next one. So long for now.